0: You know, if we just take a moment to stop being on automatic pilot and observe the animals that we get to live with, we get a lesson every day in being in the moment, being in the here and now.
1: Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com radio. What is the most important factor when considering chemotherapy for your dog or cat with cancer? And why is it also important to think about nutrition, the clinical experience, and our emotions? Find out from Dr. Vanessa Rizzo on this episode of Tripod Talk Radio.
2: And yeah, scratching like a three-legged dog. For any tripod, cat or dog. Why do some vets do things that way? Why
1: so many people don't realize that their dogs are in pain. Hello again, and thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio. This is episode number 92, recorded on January 16th, 2020. The majority of pet parents in the Tripods community have a dog or cat that lost a leg to cancer. So veterinary oncology is a very popular topic in the blogs and forums at Tripods.com. And with good reason. Chemotherapy can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. Today we have the honor of speaking with board-certified veterinary medical oncologist Dr. Vanessa Rizzo to help us understand ways to make the oncology visit, and any trip to the vet, a fear-free experience for our pets, ourselves, and everyone involved. Dr. Rizzo is medical director and chief oncologist at Puget Sound Veterinary Specialists, a certified fear-free clinic. If you're in the area, check out PugetSoundVetSpecialists.com. Now keep listening and learn the number one most important thing to know when considering chemotherapy for pets with cancer, and discover the importance of looking at the big picture when it comes to a cancer diagnosis for your dog or cat, one that includes oncology, nutrition, the clinical experience, our emotions, and living in the now. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rizzo. Thank you for joining us.
0: Hi,
2: Dr. Rizzo.
0: Welcome. Hi, Renee. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Hey, thank you. I, I'm so glad that you had contacted us a while back for some of our outreach brochures from the foundation. Um, because when I looked at your clinic up, I was so impressed at what you're doing there and the the type of specialty medicine that you're practicing. And I really wanted our Tripods members and the the greater pet community at large to um, to see how you're you're approaching cancer care and. Um, so, we're, we're excited to have you, and I don't know if you can hear our dog, Wyatt, but he's slurping down some water in the background right now. Good timing. <laughs> That's I really do good. hear him. <laughs> That's Wyatt. Um, okay, so, um, you know, I, I would just love it if you could uh, start by just telling me just a little bit about yourself and why you decided to open your practice.
0: Um, well, I am originally from the East Coast, but I fell in love with the Pacific Northwest, um I decided to start this practice um mainly for honestly for veterinary healthcare workers. Um uh, I've worked in quite a few practices where I don't think that their needs were being addressed. Um they work really hard at what they do. They care a lot about what they do. They care immensely for the patients and the clients and I've worked in several practices where they were um, treated like uh, commodities, I guess, or mm-hmm. replaceable. And so, you know, I did my best within that environment to show them how much. I appreciated all the work they did for me. You know, I get compliments a lot from clients, but really I can't do anything without my team. Mm -hmm. Um, And it finally got to the point where I decided that the only way to truly um, be a voice for them and to create a better working environment was to be in charge.
2: That's awesome. I, I noticed that you you had a lot to say about that in your uh, about section of your website, and it was it was so refreshing. Um, so yeah, I so, feel
0: very strongly about it.
2: Yeah, it's it's great. Um, and one thing that really stood out when I, I looked at your website and got to know your clinic a little bit was that you're a fear-free certified clinic. Um, that I've seen that in general practices, but I can't recall the last specialty clinic that I saw had decided to become Fear Free. It's an exciting thing to me because um I, I've been following it for a while. Um we're friends with Dr. Marty and um this is this is pretty cool. So can you share a little bit about the fear free vet care experience and why you decided to do it? Yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: um uh when I when I found out about Fear Free, I was like, wow, where has this been, you know, for mm-hmm. the past 10 years of my career and, you know, before that. Um, and when I started taking the classes, you know, luckily I, I found out that, you know, my technicians had already taught me um, quite a few of those techniques. Um, so I was, I was glad about that. But I also learned some new stuff on how to reduce fear, anxiety, and stress in our patients. and And for our patients in oncology, I mean, they come back over and over again. So, yeah. you know, from the very beginning, we're trying to make it pleasurable for them. We want them to like coming to the clinic. And luckily, we're able to achieve that. You know, for some dogs, that's really easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just have to bribe them and, you know, play with them and sort of, you know, make a make a fuss over them. And that's, that's easy. You know, for other dogs, they're a little bit more cautious, and certainly it's not easy to win the love of a cat who who just met you right. for the first time. So, yeah, I mean, we're really trying to minimize, you know, their stress, uh, the client's stress, and also I find that it helps us. It helps the veterinary healthcare worker. We don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to be causing fear or stress to our patients. You know, we want to be doing good things for them and I, I just think that it helps everybody
2: involved oh i i totally believe that i mean i have one of those dogs dogs who hates going to the vet and doesn't matter what you throw at him i mean he's a stress case when he goes and mm-hmm. one of the um, the caveats when when people in the tripods community are wondering should I do chemo should not I do chemo, one of the things we've always said is if your dog doesn't like going to the vet you might want to consider that is not going to be the best situation for them because you have to go back so many times. But now Absolutely. that yeah and now that there's a fear free clinic like yours out there I hope more and more will do it because we will start telling people hey you know if if you can work with a fear free practice. You know, you're going to see a difference. And we have had members comment when they switched to a fear-free general practice that they noticed a difference right away. Oh, that's um, great. So I, I just, yeah, I love it, especially for oncology, because it's already, it's scary enough for the people to decide to do something like that. And yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. Pets. And if they see their
0: pet being stressed out or, you know, pulling the other direction when they yeah. get to the door, that only causes more anxiety in the families. But when, they're, when I hear stories about, you know, the dog popping up in the back seat when they round the corner to the clinic and they're pulling the owner into
2: the clinic, I mean, <laughs> that's awesome. Definitely. So can you throw out a couple of examples of ways that that maybe a couple of techniques to use, um, you know, to get the dog excited and then maybe to keep calm when when the um, oncology session is going on? Yeah, so we immediately
0: start giving them treats. Um, So the dogs who will take treats, um, it makes our job a lot easier. Um, We speak softly um, from beginning to end. Um, We, You know, a technique I learned from going through the fear-free courses is the music, Uh, the music that is supposed to um, keep them calm. So we have that playing in the lobby, in the exam room, and also in the treatment area. Um, We, let's see, um, I immediately give treats as soon as I walk into the room. Um, I don't make a huge fuss as soon as I walk into the room, but I just start giving treats. I talk to the owner and then I sit calmly on the floor and I don't do an exam right away. Um, I just sort of scratch and pet and talk with the family. Um, And then I try to get an exam in sort of while I'm scratching and petting once I see that the patient is calm and can handle it and you know, if they're, in, you know, if when I start doing that, they're like, "Oh, I know what you're doing," <laughs> and they, you know, if they go mm-hmm. run behind their owners, we just, we just take a step back, we stop. You know, basically, we don't rush. I think is is one of the uh-huh. biggest things. We don't need to rush the appointment and rush to get the next patient. And the door, we we just really take our time and do it at their own speed. And if I can't get something done in that appointment, you know, I you know make a decision on
2: you know how important it is. Do I really need to get it done this moment? Wow, that I, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, I wish I had healthcare like that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, do you, are your appointments longer than the average uh, non-fear-free clinic appointment for oncology? Well, I, I guess I don't, I don't know about what other clinics do. To be honest
0: with you, are. Um so we schedule an hour to an hour and a half for a new consultation. Um, for a recheck, it depends on what it is, um, but we make sure we give enough time for whatever it is we're planning on doing. So that could be anywhere from a half an hour to again an hour and a half. It just it depends on the dog. Wow. You know, is this dog really stressed out? Okay, we know we're going to need more time. Are we going to mm-hmm. need to sedate him or does it, you know, does it just take extra treats um, and like things like tease whiz? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and going slow, um, you know, what procedure are we doing? What chemotherapy are we doing? You know, does the owner need more time? Do we know that, you know, they're going to have lots of questions every time they come
2: in. So mm-hmm. we try to tailor it to each individual patient and family. Wow. That it's, it's such a, a new and exciting approach to specialty care because one of the things that members have always said was well, often said is that they, they feel like they're a number really at a specialty practice. You don't have that relationship and it's nice to see that you guys take the time as a fear-free practice to get to know the patient and the client. That's pretty cool. Um, So you also have a social worker. Um, Tell me a little bit about Stephanie and and why you decided to bring her on board. What does she do for your patients?
0: So Stephanie um, essentially has, I think, two, two major roles, you know, our, you know, our we have several goals, but, you know, what we do is we care for animals and their caregivers. You know, that's what's on our website. That's what I believe wholeheartedly. And I and we define those caregivers as the pet parents and the rescue workers, but also, as I mentioned, the veterinary health care workers. Um, you know, I don't know how much you and your audience know. You probably know, but the rates of anxiety, depression, and suicide among veterinary health care workers is really alarming. Um, yeah, so I wanted to take concrete steps to try to reduce those numbers. So not just opening my own clinic and telling my staff, you know, as often as possible how much I appreciate them and what a good job they're doing, but also to, you know, put a resource right in front of them that they have if they're mm-hmm. having trouble. You know, it's it's a little bit easy to say, oh, go get help. You know, maybe you should talk to somebody, but Stephanie's there every day, asking them how they're doing, you know, and oh. getting to know them, and they're getting to know her. So they don't have to go to a stranger if they need help. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, of course, also there for the families. You know, I mean, you probably deal with this all the time. People are they're scared, and oh, yeah. you know, you're talking about amputation and chemotherapy, and their heads are spinning. Um, so she definitely helps them with tough medical decisions, financial decisions you know people who are struggling with loss she's just starting up a uh, a grief support group um for our area um so she does a she does a lot of work um for us which we all really
2: appreciate that is so cool it's like this this circle of care for everybody who walks through that door whether you're the employee or the patient or the the client um i love that because everybody feels supported that's so nice yeah um, yeah, and then you mean it should be like that for all
0: healthcare workers,
2: human and veterinary. Absolutely! Oh my God, you're so <laughs> right. Um, and is is this something that is? Uh, I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen a clinic with a social worker on board. Is this a new phenomena that you see happening, or do you think that eventually all clinics <laughs> might, or bigger ones might be able to do that? Yeah, I mean, I certainly
0: hope so, that that's where we're going. Um, there is a veterinary social work program at the University of Tennessee. Oh. Um, I think it's more geared towards helping clients, um, but Stephanie has a true passion and interest in helping veterinary health care workers, um, so our goals align there. I that's hope one day cool. that she will have a team um, so that we will have, you know, someone, uh, you know, her for the healthcare workers and then somebody else who can devote all of their time to the clients. Um, You know, Colorado State University has the Argus Institute, you know, Mm -hmm. that's sort of where I first learned about not only Tripod, but supporting people going through this and and their programs that they have there. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's slowly growing, but yeah, I mean, I certainly hope that this will, that this will catch on. I mean, we we need to be doing something, right? I mean, the the stuff that's going on in veterinary medicine with our mental health is not sustainable.
2: No, we, in fact, uh, a couple of years ago, we did an, uh, a show about that. And um, I'm, I'm glad to see that this issue is getting out there and being talked about. And, and people are find, trying to find solutions to help workers, you know, just stay, stay sane and, and, and not go off the deep end. Cause it is really scary. I mean, veterinarians, what is this statistic? It's, like, it's like one of the highest suicide rates in any occupation which is crazy um yeah female veterinarians are
0: four times more likely to commit suicide wow. than the general public
2: wow wow well stephanie yeah, is a rock star for for wanting to tackle yeah, this issue yeah we think so too absolutely so um you also have a veterinary nutritionist on board, and that is also really unusual. This is another reason why I love your practice. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about Dr. Streeter and what she does.
0: Yeah, so I met Dr. Streeter during my residency at Cornell. So I went to, you know, I did my residency at a university that had nutrition there in your face all the time. Um, they okay. helped critically ill patients in the ICU, um, they help people who wanna cook for their dogs, which is getting more and, and potentially cats too uh which mm-hmm. is getting more and more popular these days. Um, she can formulate unique and tailored recipes um for pet parents, you know whether they're whether they just want to cook because they want their dog to have the same you know fresh, healthy food that they 're eating. Or because they have a food allergy, or because they're you know they want to address diabetes or cancer, you know she can help with that. Um, oh. She can give you the exact you know grams of protein and broccoli and blueberries that you want to give that I you know I just don't have the education for. Um, and then the other thing that she can help. The clients with and me is, you know, sometimes people come to me with a very long list of supplements um, that, you know, they want me to like look over and which I do um, and I do, you know, uh, some degree of research, but this is her whole field. So I try to keep up and, you know, I know about the most common ones, but people are finding new stuff all the time. Um, she can go through that list and, you know, sort of help both of us decide, well, is this going to be harmful? Is it safe? Are there any studies? Um, you know, just to sort of give me an idea, you know, is this okay to use with this treatment? Is it going to be helpful?
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: she does, you know, she can do a lot for us, which I really appreciate. She's great. She's a great woman that's
2: that's such a a needed part of the the cancer picture because one of the first things anybody wants to do myself included was oh my god how can i feed my dog or my cat better than i have been this you know we tend to blame ourselves yeah like i thought when our dog was diagnosed i thought oh my god it was what i was feeding him this is all my fault and i try to alleviate my guilt by cooking for him and then it was so confusing and uh, you know i was spinning in circles it, it to, so to see veterinary nutritionists coming on board is awesome it, it's just the future is bright for that area of practice yeah um, I, I hope agree. more of them are yeah they're hard to find they're really hard to find um we often refer they are. people to <laughs> yeah what tell me what the uh the the board the specialty um board is called what is it it's um, uh, the American College American
0: College of Veterinary Nutritionists. That's it. So that the one?
2: acronyms that somebody should look for are the A, what is it, a? ACVN. The N. okay. And, yeah, there is a website, and we'll post a link to it um, in the show notes for this. But, um, yeah, we tell people look for somebody like Dr. Streeter if you are considering doing a home-cooked diet at any time in a pet's life, but especially if you're dealing with cancer. Um, so, you know, let's, let's talk about you for a little bit now. I want to get more into why you decided to go into oncology because, you know, I just remember before I knew anything about cancer care, I just thought, oh my gosh, it's, this has just got to be the most depressing occupation. I mean, you know, (laughs) not, not all your patients are going to respond to treatment and, and you're constantly saying goodbye to them and, um, Boy, I, I would love to hear more about why you chose to go into it. And, and then of the good things, what do you enjoy most about it?
0: I was, you know, I went to veterinary school thinking I was going to be a surgeon. Oh. Um, <laughs> but when, about I think it was the second um, semester, we learned about lymphoma. Um, and I was hooked from the very minute. I was fascinated by cancer, uh, pathophysiology. Um, you know, the fact that it's your own cells doing these horrible things to you. Um, I was fascinated with lymphoma treatment itself, you know, how you outsmart the cancer for as long as possible by mixing up the drugs. Um, and when it comes to the families. You know, it's one area of veterinary, of specialty medicine that we get to have this ongoing relationship with Mm -hmm. the family, which is the one thing I knew that I would miss from not being a general practitioner. Um, You know, so that part of it is really great. You know, you really get to learn about their lives and their interaction with their pet and you get to be a part of that journey with them. And yeah, of course it's sad when we have to say goodbye. And, of course, it, it's sad and frustrating when treatment doesn't work. I mean, that's it's terrible. Um, mm-hmm. But to be with the family in those really tough moments is also really an honor. You know, not not everybody gets to be yeah. there in yeah. those final moments. And, you know, I'm honored that they come back to me for that. That means a lot to me.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I think that once somebody walks through the doors of your clinic, they uh, they've got to feel the love there and and all of the, the dedication and care that you put into supporting them. So how can you not? I mean, this is, you have such a unique practice. Um, Now when somebody does walk through those doors and they're scared and they're looking for some kind of hope, what are some strategies that you, you give to them? How do you, how do you inform your clients and, and pet parents at large if they're dealing with cancer?
1: that
2: this, isn't, this doesn't have to be terrifying. We can make this a good thing. What are some ideas that you give to people for coping with the diagnosis?
1: We'll be right back to learn the most important thing to consider when faced with decisions about oncology for your dog or cat. But speaking of living in the now, be sure to check out our new book, Be More Dog, Learning to Live in the Now. Available wherever books are sold, Be More Dog shares the many lessons we learned from Jerry after his amputation due to osteosarcoma. Among other things, he taught us how to persevere, never give up, and make the most of every day, no matter what life throws your way. Get the paperback, e-books, and a special signed gift edition at BeMoreDog.net.
2: What are some ideas that you give to people for coping with the diagnosis? Um, for coping with it, I,
0: you know, a lot of people, they start scrutinizing everything that their dog does.
2: Yes, <laughs> like, that is
0: so true. They do.
2: Oh
0: my gosh. <laughs> yes, yes, everything. Um, they start watching them like a hawk and like every little thing that they do could be the beginning of the end and, is this normal? And I feel like they're, they're just like on hyperdrive. Um, I, I gently tell them to try to remember that, that they should probably try to focus on the sort of everyday little moments, you know, learn from their pet. You know, if we observe our pets, you know, and not you know, if we just take a moment to stop being on automatic pilot and observe the animals that we get to live with, we get a lesson every day in being in the moment, being in the here and now. You know, I I don't think, though mm-hmm. so I, I don't know for sure, but I don't think that they have goals the way we do. <laughs> I don't think right. that they're thinking about, you know, you know, passing that exam or you know, things like walking their daughter down the aisle um, or, I don't know, making a certain amount of money one day, like they're just enjoying every second. And Mm -hmm. I tell people to act more like their pet and try to enjoy every moment with their pet. And, And not that you shouldn't be
2: observing what
0: they're doing and their clinical signs, but to just relish those happy moments.
2: That is awesome advice. And it's in our community, we like to call it learn how to be more dog or learn how to, <laughs> learn how to be yes. more cat. And we, we yeah. even wrote a book about a book called Be More Dog. And it was, it is about our journey with our dog Jerry and how before he got sick, we, you know, we just, we were breathing through our work and life. And when he got sick, everything stopped. And we, we started to watch him and all of a sudden all the little ordinary things, we realized, wow, those are, those are pretty special. And we were yeah. pretty much just, you know, blowing them off and, you know, Oh, he took five steps down the hallway. Well, big deal. But when he lost a leg, it was like, Oh my God, this is awesome. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, And Celebrate the little accomplishments and, and, and remember that your, your pets aren't, Thinking about that six months anniversary, or how much time do I have left? And um, yeah, or Christmas,
1: you
0: know, right? I get a lot of that. I just want oh, him to yeah. see, you know, one more Christmas. And yeah, I, you know, I get that, but I don't think he's thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> he's happy to
2: be with you. Absolutely. And, and I'm just curious. I, I know we didn't talk about this, but what about cats? How do you? What do you think cats would tell us? Do they see? Do they, you think they see the world differently than than dogs? <laughs> I'm just really curious. Uh, I mean, they certainly act like they do. <laughs>
0: um, I think they still live in the moment. I think that lesson is still there for sure. Um, I think cats would be definitely more chill. You know, yeah. they just seem more. Oh, you know. For, and if I had to generalize, um, they're just more sophisticated. They're more chill. They they really you know, they they just don't sweat the small things. Whereas even though dogs live in the moment, you know, my dogs, a butterfly will fly by the window and they're, you know, a cacophony of barking and, you know, everything's like a big deal.
2: Oh, so I know. Like,
0: yeah. Cats are like, come on, man, settle down. You know, so I I
2: <laughs>
0: I think I think cats are I you know, like that. Sort I of like always that. laughing at
2: dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that we have a pretty neurotic german shepherd and i can't see any cat who would behave like he does So, right yeah it just doesn't happen no no and um you know i can't believe that our, our show is almost done here but i i have one more question for you and i'm hoping you can throw this out there for people and and they'll remember it but if somebody's on the fence about oncology and they're trying to decide, should I do it? Should I not do it? And whether they have a cat or a dog, what would you like them to know most about treatment and living with cancer? How can, what are, what's like your number one piece of advice for them?
0: Well, my number one piece of advice is at least go talk to a veterinary oncologist. The conversation does not commit you um, to aggressive treatment or weekly treatment, you know, and there might be other options that maybe you couldn't find on the internet or maybe your general practitioner doesn't know about. So my number one piece of advice is to please just go talk to a veterinary oncologist. Please talk to a specialist. Um, And if I had to pick one other thing, it would be that veterinary oncology, while it's similar to human oncology, we have very, we have different goals. You know, of course they care about quality of life in human oncology, but as we just discussed, Humans have goals that they're trying to achieve, whereas in veterinary oncologists, I am 90 to 99% focused on quality of life, period. You know, of course I want animals to live as long as possible and for their parents to spend as much time with them as possible, but not at the cost of quality of life. So, you know, what I often tell people who are, you know, just, I can see it. They're just so scared when they're talking to me. I'm like, look, if If all I did was make dogs sick all day, my job would suck. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. So we don't, you know, we really are trying to maintain the good quality of life they already have or improve
2: it if they're sick. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing such wisdom with us. And, I, I want everybody to hear this because I was one of those people who was terrified of oncology when Jerry was diagnosed. And had I talked to somebody like you, I, I don't know, things would have been very different, I think. Um, oh, so, yeah. Thank you. It, yeah, really. Information is power. And if you can find a practitioner like Dr. Rizzo, oh my gosh, you are, you're set. You're set. I wish, I wish we could like duplicate you all over the country because you're awesome. Um, but uh, unfortunately you're, you are in Puget Sound and um, that's okay. Um, if you're in the area and you have to deal with this disease, you're, you're the go-to gal. Um, Dr. Rizzo, We we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me.
1: Many thanks to Dr. Rizzo for another thoughtful discussion to help make the most of the pet cancer journey. Learn more about the work she is doing at PugetSoundVetSpecialist.com. Find a certified fear-free vet clinic near you at FearFreePets.com. Please subscribe and rate Tripod Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts and find all past episodes at Tripods.com radio.
0: Three-legged dog and
1: he's still pretty good. Dog. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts. And claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.